0: Welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. Uh, My guest today is Dr. Jen Haley. Dr. Haley, please, uh, you know, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you.
1: Sure. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm Dr. Jen Haley. You can call me Jen and I'm a board certified dermatologist. I've been, um, working as a dermatologist since 2001. I've been board certified since 2004. And I, we were just discussing this before the recording with mm-hmm. Amate. I spent spend 15 years in the Navy. So I've worked all around the world, all around the country in the United States and outside of the United States, taking care of people with different skin types from all around the world and both in the military and the civilian sector. And one thing that I've noticed over the years is the importance of um, taking your care of your skin from within. So, you know, I've had the privilege of taking care of people with unlimited resources. They can pay any amount of money for lasers and all different procedures. And, you know, even though they did all of those procedures, something just didn't sit right with me. You know, maybe they were drinking too much or they had a lot of stress in their life or a lot of sugar. And because of my undergraduate training at Cornell University with uh, nutrition, I've always had an interest in nutrition and fitness. I've done some marathons and some fitness competitions and kind of just, side challenges. And I've realized that what you do in all of the other aspects of your life is more important than your genetics and what you're doing externally. So there's, um, a compound effect of what you do every day, right? Like if you have, you know, one cookie a day or an extra hundred calories at the end of the year, that's 10 pounds and the same holds true for your skin. So I started a podcast about three, four months ago called radiance revealed to get together with people like you to share this message that we have the power to take care of our skin, take care of our health, feel better, look better just by the decisions we make every day to move in the right direction or the wrong direction. And it's not an all or nothing thing. It's not like you have to be perfect or you're a big failure. It's like, okay, well, that will be good. And that will be bad. As long as there's more positives and there are negatives, you know, and you're aware of those and your knowledge about those, then you can um, gain control and, and have power over your health. So that's the, sh- yeah. the
0: short snippet of it all. <laughs> that's a beautiful, actually, that's a beautiful um, glimpse into what you do. And, um, you know, to, to us, it was very, for for me, even specifically, uh, as I told you before we started, that I'm a personal fan of yours because I believe that you, you know, se- completely separately from, from Young Goose, the company that we've started, the skincare company that we've started, you uh, are, really on the same frequency is what we are trying to convey is that, yeah, we can make literally the best product the world has ever seen. And it doesn't matter what magic ingredient it's gonna have, that's going to lead to maybe 5% of your skin health. The rest is what you do in your day-to-day life, your sleep, nutrition, Habits, sun exposure, etc., 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 which of course we're going to talk about today. But it it was you know a Eureka moment when I when I uh, stumbled upon your Instagram feed and your podcast because I it was I, I was even relieved to find someone with your certification, with your level of um, education, if you would. That speaks really in the same language that we speak, and we often, you know, when we do uh, do seminars or we do talks in medical spas, I always give the analogy uh, about which you gave with lasers, right? Um, I always give the analogy: you can be the best artist, but you are still dependent on your canvas. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have the the best work of art or any work of art. If instead of a canvas, you you would try to paint on a cave wall, you're not gonna you're not gonna be Rembrandt.
1: I love that analogy.
0: Yeah, so I this is it. where we started And, and um, so right now in your in your you're based in Arizona, right?
1: I am. I'm based in Arizona, and I've been doing telemedicine since 2013. So um, when COVID started, my telemedicine practice really escalated. So I see mostly telemedicine now. I'm licensed in. 22 states, and I work through a platform called Dermatologist on Call, and I like it because I'm not limited to the constraints of insurance because insurance will typically want us to give medications and things like that, which I'm not opposed to. Sometimes I will use medications to decrease inflammation for acne while the lifestyle habits take a chance to kick in so that people can reduce inflammation from the inside out. So I, I definitely believe in a topical nourishing approach and skincare. I love it. I think it maybe it's a little more than five percent. Um, and it's something I definitely recommend people doing. I'm not against lasers. I love them as well. I just think that you can't neglect your health and then expect someone to fix it later on. You know, it's like you go to the dentist and you can get your teeth cleaned, but you still have to go home and brush your teeth every day. And that's how I look at skincare. You know, skincare is essential and you nourish the skin from the outside in, but you can't neglect the inside out.
0: Yeah. That's an amazing analogy actually. And then we can take it one step further and we're, we can say, well, if you're going to be just as an example, if you're going to not consume any vitamin C, you're going to deplete your vitamin C, uh, Storages, and you're gonna get scurvy. Your teeth are gonna fall out. So there is like a next level to uh, the holistic approach of nutrition and whatever who would support, for that matter, your teeth or your skin or whatever that would be. So, um, so Jen, tell me, you're doing almost exclusively exclusively telemedicine right now, right?
1: As far as patient care, yeah. yeah. And I've consulted with different companies here and there for developing apps and um, intellectual content and AI kind of stuff, like lots of just online information. I edit blogs and do things like that for people as
0: well. I understand. And as far when you meet a patient and you're trying to really adjust their, adjust, tweak their lifestyle, what are some pillars you're looking at? What are, what are some things that, that you want to, you know, that you sink your teeth into in the beginning?
1: Yeah, I think we're really aligned because you mentioned most of them in the beginning. So sleep Mm -hmm. and sleep is a hard one for me. I've never been a good sleeper my entire life. So I I can really relate to people who have a hard time sleeping. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think um, there's so many great books out there. Matthew Walker has a book called Why We Sleep. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, all the different things that you can do to help your sleep and sleep is really essential sticking to a regular schedule and making sure that you get that sleep because during the daytime, our body, and even the skincare we use during the day is going to be different than the skincare we use at night, as well as the processes in our bodies. So during the day, our body is basically in prevention mode, you know, let's try to prevent, you know, reactive oxygen species and, you know, environmental damage. You know, we use the sunscreen, we use antioxidants on our skin. We want to prevent and protect, and at night is when we repair and we nourish and re- renew our skin. So yes. all the all the metabolic processes are different at night than they are during the day. So we need that time to sleep, so that you know our brain can filter, our skin can clean out all of the the buildup of the waste products that occur during the day. So we really need that time in order to renew and repair. And I find that people that don't sleep or people that are really stressed, you can look at the presidents in the United States over the four years and the stress of that job and the little sleep and how quickly people age from the fact that, um, you know, there's the president's stem cells obviously aren't working as well because they go remarkably gray. Well, that's yeah. an indicator.
0: You just reminded me, I just read a research recently about how, how uh, depletion of stem cells in, in, in hair follicle makes through due to stress due to high cortisol level uh you know uh leads committed.
1: to hair. yeah pretty quickly you know and you hear those old stories of you know oh they were frightened and then they turn gray the next day well there's a little something to that right um yeah. so you know i mean the amount of stress that we have can cause or somebody who has you know loses a child or or loses a, a family member that they, they you undergo a lot of stress and um You know, we all have stress every day and that compound effect of stress. So sleeping, the first thing, stress is very related to sleep Um, and simple things like breathing. I mean, I'll stand in the grocery store or stand or sit in traffic. And instead of being aggravated that I can't go anywhere, which is beyond my control, why not just breathe? So um, there's specific type of breathing and there's some that are going to work better for some people than other people. And I went to uh, 40 years of Zen. Are you familiar with 40 years of Zen? Yes. Yeah. I went to that last summer and what they do is they check your HRV and they match your breath rate to your specific HRV. Mm -hmm. And for me, my pattern was six, inhale, six, exhale, seven. So there's a little app I use called, I think. I don't know, breathe plus or something, but before that, and I still do this other technique by Dr. Andrew Weil with the four inhale. So you inhale for inhale for a count of four, one, two, three, four, you hold for a count of seven, which for me, the holding really is huge. And then you exhale through your mouth for a count of eight. And James Nestor has a great book called breath, where he talks about the importance of breathing through your nose. So you can make a nitric oxide nitric oxide dilates the blood vessels. Why do we need blood vessels so much? It's because blood vessel blood is responsible for delivering nutrients to all the organs with the skin being the largest organ and also for removing all the metabolic waste products. So good blood flow is really essential, which is my third pillar. My third pillar is exercise. And I prefer intermittent exercise because I think we're me- we're meant to kind of sprint and do short bursts of, of exercise. So I prefer, you know, intermittent exercise, not really long endurance exercise, as that's been linked to um, shortened telomeres, telomere mm-hmm. length. So I prefer short bursts, maybe some high intensity, or even walking, and just doing moving all day long. Don't hire people to do all these things, you know, vacuum your own floors, mop, pick your weeds, walk to the mailbox, walk the dog, go for a walk with your neighbor, do your meetings over the phone walking. So I I constantly believe in lots of moving to enhance the blood flow so that we can kind of like deliver nutrients, remove waste, deliver, remove, deliver, remove. And then the fourth pillar is nutrition and um, real foods, colorful foods, easier said than done. Um, there's a lot of nuances with nutrition, you know, which we mm-hmm. can obviously get into. But really, the more colorful foods, the better. I, um, I follow Gabrielle Lyon, and I, I like her muscle centric um, okay. training, I, I do well with a high protein diet with meat, some people do well vegan, it's really a personal choice. But, um, you know, there are some genetic testing that can be done. Mm-hmm. I have a good friend who's a functional medicine doctor. He's actually, I think he's near you in Miami, Dr. Elliot Dinetz. and he, um, will test genetics, your genetic profile and help formulate a best, the best, uh, the best diet, you know, or nutrition program yeah. for you. So, you know, what works for someone else might not work for you. And I think that's important to just listen to your body and, Um, pay attention to yourself and be intuitive with what works for you and what makes you feel good and what doesn't. And sometimes that starts with eliminating a lot of things like the the heavy, you know, the things that are the most inflammatory, like dairy, um, grains, especially gluten and wheat. And then I don't like, you know, processed vegetable oils. I don't think anyone should like those. And then just picking cleaner foods, you know, pasture raised eggs, pasture raised chicken, um, wild fish that are low in mercury and then grass fed, um, red meat. I'm not a fan of pork for me. I find it acidic, you know, but you, you have to figure out what works for you.
0: Yeah. So that, that was a lot of information, which which (laughs) is amazing. Um, so, so just to, to kind of really rewind and talk a little bit about sleep and tying it in a little bit with nutrition, which, which was the last topic. Um, Mm -hmm. do you like any sleep supporting supplements, whether it's CBD, melatonin, you know, magnesium, whatever that would be. Do you like any?
1: Yeah. I I've taken all of them just because I'm not a great sleeper since I was, I could remember, you know, when I was five or six, um, I used to be a little concerned about melatonin as far as taking it every night, because with our bodies, we have a negative feedback loop. So if you take a hormone or a thyroid or testosterone or melatonin, your body can stop producing it. Now with the last year, with the coronavirus, we have seen that higher doses of melatonin have such an amazing antioxidant effect that I am recommending that people supplement. And I do supplement with melatonin at night. Um, I do like melatonin. I think some people it works for and some people it doesn't work for. I don't think you need a high dose like 10 milligrams. I think a half a milligram is gonna work fine. Um, I might go up to five milligrams for short periods of time to help reset people if they're you know, traveling, which we're not doing much of anymore yes. um, for, for jet lag and stuff. Um, CBD works well for some people, other people it doesn't. And I actually just recorded a podcast. It hasn't launched yet where it was interesting. I thought CBD was supposed to be taken at night, um, uh-huh. But the expert that I I discussed it with, he said it's better to be taken in the afternoon. So I think we have a lot more to explore and discover with CBD. We do know that it's highly anti-inflammatory. So if somebody's staying awake at night because they have back pain or some sort of a joint pain, um, CBD is definitely going to be help more helpful for them than if someone has a circadian rhythm issue. Then melatonin is going to help more yeah. with them. And then I like things. I like valerian for short term. Um, I've been playing with Kava. There's, um, there's Kava Plex, um, true Kava makes Kava Plex. And I find that to be beneficial as well, but it takes some time to build in the system. And, um, yeah, I kind of like all of those. I like a company called pure encapsulations. They make something called best rest. And that's one of my favorites. I feel like that works the best for me.
0: Yeah. I wanted to ask you actually about best rest because I, I'm one of the companies I really like is pure encapsulation. Um, so, so as far as magnesium, do you don't you don't feel there is a, a big uh, big need L- for it.
1: Oh no, I absolutely think everyone needs magnesium in this country for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, unless you're living like, um, you know, in Ecuador at the high area where there's lots of volcanic, you know, really healthy soil, you definitely need magnesium. So there's certain nutrients that we're just not getting very well in mm-hmm. our um, food anymore because our food is grown in our soil. And we're dependent on the health of our soil and the health of our water in order for our foods to be healthy. Right. So yeah. Things like blueberries from like hundreds of years ago are nowhere near as healthy as the blueberries we have now. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'll go for like wild blueberries, for instance. But going back (laughs) to the magnesium, yeah, I think magnesium causes like magnesium deficiency causes a lot of problems in people from, you know, restless legs at night to migraines to constipation to all sorts of things, Um, TMJ even. So I love magnesium. Um, There's, you know, I like Magnesium Breakthrough, which is a company with bioptimizers, and, um, because they have the seven forms of magnesium, it gets a little tricky knowing what form of magnesium to take. And the magnesium citrate is the one that can cause diarrhea and loose stools. So I I tend to, I'll go for like magnesium three and eight in the middle of the day. Like I took some today because I like magnesium with vitamin D in the morning to help vitamin D convert to the more active form of vitamin D in the body. Mm-hmm. and i i believe that vitamin d is better to be taken in the morning because it works more like a hormone and gives you some energy and things like that even though it's fat soluble and it's stored i prefer to take it as a supplement in the morning it's it's a more natural rhythm so i do recommend a little bit of magnesium in the morning and then at night i like magnesium glycinate or the magnesium breakthrough which has all seven
0: forms of it um which is a more said, it helps you kind of relax and fall asleep maybe, maybe a little bit better right
1: Exactly. Especially if you're deficient, you know, the thing about these supplements is they're there to supplement. So if you're, you don't need it, you're not going to notice a difference, but if you're deficient, you will notice a a bigger difference.
0: Especially, yeah. Especially when, when we're talking about vitamin D and the, you know, one of the epidemics that, that, that America has is vitamin D deficiency. We can definitely see it with, with the coronavirus and the, you know, the, I think it's like over ninety percent vitamin D deficiency in in, uh, emergency wards uh, right now, if I'm not mistaken, which is which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're now staying more at home, so it's even more exacerbated. So we're really, it's really important.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is, is if your doctor says if you get your your vitamin D checked and your doctor says it's normal which is what I was told, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And as a doctor who should be more educated on the topic at the time, I was told it was normal. And then I looked at the blood test, and it said it was 31. Well, 31, well that's in the normal range, but it's not optimal. So normal and optimal are two different things. So I look for 50 to 80 as far as vitamin D goes. I know the last time I had mine check, I was coming down with a cold and I, I, I mega dosed with like 20,000 units a day. I use a day. And, um, I think my number was over a hundred, but I knew it cleared out pretty quickly. So um, I do recommend that people take about 5,000 IU a day. Nobody has overdosed with under 10,000 IU a day. Um, And obviously I'm not giving personal medical advice on here, but I, I usually, that's what I will recommend with most people. Um, and I also, this is, this has changed over the last 20 years because I used to say, don't go in the sun. Right. And you know, in Miami, you get a lot of sun, we get a lot of sun in Arizona. So we're always covered up. I wear a hat outside. I wear sunscreen. I wear long sleeves. Um, but I think, you know, Zach Bush has done some good work on this with the energy that our body makes. It's almost like we're these photosynthetic beings. And I believe a little bit of sunshine is good. Number one, it's really good to go outside in the morning, especially if you have problems sleeping. So your eyes can be reset or use a red light device like the Juve red light, you know, use some sort of a red light device in the morning. So, you you know, you're just not attached to blue light all the time from the computers and the devices. And, um, but if you can get your retina in the sunlight, not staring at the sun, but in sunlight, indirect sunlight in the morning for 30 minutes, that's going to help a lot with sleep and just kind of get you in a good circadian rhythm. And um, I I try to expose a little bit of back or Tummy to the sun, maybe ten minutes, three times a week. Not just for vitamin D, but there's other energetic benefits from that. I just try to stay keep the high real estate. You know, I'm I'll be 50 this year, so I don't want my high real estate to get any more wrinkled or anything like that. So I like cover up my face and my hands and my neck and things like that. But I'll get a little bit on the back and the and the stomach. And as a dermatologist, that was something that I would actually get angry at people saying 10 years ago. And I've I've really come around to be a little bit more logical about it. We you know we're living longer. So we want to be able to live to 120 and have this drape on us, this, this thing called skin that doesn't look like a cooked rotisserie chicken, yet <laughs> we also want to feel good in the process, right? So that's where we try to find the balance.
0: Yeah. And it is a balance, right? There is a balance between how much our skin, our body can repair, but, you know, along the, the, the damage process, there are, there are processes that we need, like, you know, vitamin D production, um, and we, we did speak about nitric oxide. So one of the things, and we, that's kind of a, that's that's, that's very interesting. So you mentioned the, the juve light, which is an, an infrared, red infrared uh, panel that you stand in front of 10, 20 minutes. And basically what it does, it distills the positively affecting rays that your that your body is kind of designed to utilize in the sun without the negative you know ruling obviously uh, the fact that we need uv to to, to create vitamin d that's a synthesized vitamin d that's different but um are you a big believer in red light therapy and creating nitric oxide through uh expo- exposure to red light yeah,
1: I don't think that's the only way to go. But I think it, just like everything else we discuss, it's a way to complement. So yeah. I, I like to have beets. I like to have arugula, you know, nitric oxide rich foods, um, and then breathing through your nose, right? Yeah. Because we talked about how we convert nitric oxide ourselves. So the power is in ourselves. We don't always have to buy something, you know, we can just- yeah. Make a habit of breathing through your nose, which we really are a lot of, we do a lot of mouth breathing. So, um, you know, that solves a lot of problems. Um, But I do like the red light, especially if somebody doesn't have access to sunlight every day. And also it helps with, um, it just helps improve the collagen as opposed to break down the collagen like UV radiation. I remind people that ultraviolet light is a radiation, you know, so there is some radiation damage and um, you don't always get the vitamin D production from sunlight. So if you're getting UV radiation through a window, it's blocking the UVB rays, which are the ones that cause B for burning and also for vitamin D production. If it's a cloudy day, you may not be getting the UVB rays because they're the shorter waves. So they don't always penetrate as deep which is the ones that we need for vitamin D production. So you may be getting radiation from the sun without getting the benefits of the red light and benefits of, you know, the vitamin D production, if all the settings aren't proper. So I do like red light. If somebody has access to it, there are some places you can go if you can't afford to buy a red light for your home. And then all red lights are not created equal. So you need to do your research because some people are just coloring bulbs and making them red and that's not a red light.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's correct. First of all, so really, if we do talk a little bit about this subject, because I do feel that it's a disservice to talk about red light and then kind of leave it there, uh, because you know, let's just make the, the distinction between a red light sauna, which which is based on heat, based on creating a lot of heat, and a, a red light therapy panel, which. The better it is, the less heat it actually creates, right? Because one is designed to kind of stimulate our mitochondria, stimulate, you know, stimulate energy, our little engines that we have in our cell. And uh, I don't like to call them engines because engine, you have one engine in a car, right? Mitochondria, it's almost like uh, the reindeer of uh, of the of the of Santa's sled. Right. If one doesn't perform so well, there are others, but we really want to keep them in in kind of the best shape possible. And um, so red light cold, red light simulates that and infrared sauna doesn't really, right?
1: Yeah. But I think there's other benefits of infrared sauna because I got in this discussion with someone because I don't enjoy sauna. So I'd rather go outside and work out and sweat and just sitting there and sweating is extremely uncomfortable for me, but there are benefits with blood pressure and sleep and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I see what you're saying. You're not going to get the benefits of the infrared red light from the sauna that you would get from the light. Yes.
0: Or I have someone, I have, um, you know, a friend who registered to a a chain of gyms, because one of the benefits they offer is a kind of a, they basically converted a tanning bed to a, they converted the bulbs, the halogen uh, um, strips to red light halogen strips. But you take one look at them and you realize that's not really what you want, that the, the, the frequency isn't there. And the fact that it is red doesn't mean it really affects your, your cells.
1: Yeah. I think that's the most important takeaway. Like all red lights are not created equal because just because it looks red, doesn't mean it has the right wavelength. So we're looking for the wavelength as a form of communication to the cells to boost, you know, the mitochondria and also to help stimulate collagen and things like that. And you brought up an important point with mitochondria, because I love, I love mitochondria. I've talked about them for years and, um, having a lot isn't always better because we don't want those zombie mitochondria around. So right. as we're older, we have extra mitochondria, extra cells that are kind of just taking up space and not doing anything. So that's where like autophagy and, you know, takes, that's where autophagy is so important because as things pile up, I, I think we just look kind of like looking at our skin, it can look kind of sallow and heavy and mm-hmm. just washed out. So in order to freshen yourself up both, you know, by helping clean out maybe some of the you know, uric acid or some of the, the the heavy deposits in the joints. So you don't feel so achy or, you know, your stomach doesn't feel so bloated or you want your skin to be a little bit refreshed. I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting because when we fast, we take a little bit of break so that, you know, our body can like clean up the kitchen because we're not cooking all the time, yeah. right. Or eating all the time. So all those like dirty plates in our body now have a chance to get cleaned and we get to do something called autophagy or mitophagy where our body cleans up the zombie cells or the dead cells or the dead organ organelles, like the mitochondria that are not no longer doing anything or having any benefit and just taking up space. And then that allows the actual functions of the cells that are producing and the organelles that are working to work better. Um, and there's a lot of ways to do intermittent fasting. Are you a fan
0: of that? Not only that I'm a fan of fan of that. I kind of um, from, looking at research I do two types actually so I do I do do a 16 8 kind of traditional intermittent fasting or time restricted eating where I would eat I'd really eat though because this is I have to I have to you know spend an extra time on a specific uh, subject which is, among my friends, most of them I've already converted to intermittent fasting. But the problem is, is that most of them do not realize that the milk in their coffee at 7 a.m. considers is considered feeding and the blueberry they're going to snack on, that's a good case scenario, at, you know, midnight is also... A type of feeding, and then we're really interrupting that process. So we're we're really, you know, doing ninety nine percent of the job, but then ruining it in the last stretch. And what we really, if we really look at autophagy, especially liver uh, function, um, we really do not want to intake any positive net calorie for in that in that passing window of six and sixteen. At 16 hours or more but to answer your question a little bit more more precisely to for autophagy from what from what i know and i love if you correct me to make my life easier you really need a longer period than 16 hours to get an, an effective recycling of, of of the waste of of cellular waste and that every quarter i would do like a um, a three-day fast where you know, where I would kind of prepare myself better. I'm going to, I'm going to do a ketogenic diet like a week before to be fat adapted, as we say, nice. and really, you know, usher in that process. And that, that is where I look to increase autophagy for that matter.
1: Yeah. That's so amazing. Take like
0: apigenin and, um, and, uh, F- fisitine, I don't know how, how, how to pronounce
1: yeah. it. Ficetin. F- I say Ficetin. Ficetin. Yeah. Ficetin. Uh, Ficetin. Uh, I say Ficetin. I never feel like I'm saying that one right either. I just say Ficetin. So you take yeah, that I, during your fast
0: or do you I take do, it all the I time? Do not. I take it before the fast. Okay. I start. I, I'll take, I'll do a week, really a seven day prep where I'll mm-hmm. take. So we have, that's kind of uh that's kind of exclusive information. We have, a uh, study going on for a new product that we're developing, which is an apigenin cream. Nice. So I'll, I'll apply that. That gets into the bloodstream. So I don't need I don't need any you know supplementation of that. And I'm, but I am going to supplement on uh, Fisatin, which we have had problems, may, um, you know, showing efficacy in topical form with delivery
1: getting yes. it delivered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know it's trickier than people think. It's not as simply converted. Right. Um, I love what you said about the liver because I I feel like our liver just gets so congested over time from all the toxins and you know in the environment and even from like the the VOCs or the volatile organic compounds in our homes coming from our furniture and our rugs and it our livers get congested. And you can see just the. The swelling in the midsection of many many people over time and even if they're doing all the right things they're having a hard time lose weight so that's when i really take a step back and i look at like okay let's let's get the liver detox give it a break so you know or really are we just we just need to let our bodies heal itself by setting up the optimal conditions and that's all that i try to do in my recommendations is like okay let's let's see what we can do so your body can actually heal itself um, and then with autophagy, um, do you follow David Sinclair's work? He's kind of
0: <laughs> yes. Um, yeah yeah, in short in short, uh, shortly speaking, yes, I do.
1: Yeah. So that's what he discusses. And I, I, he cracks me up because he says that, you know, you start to hit autophagy at 24 hours yeah. and I, I, I give it to you cause I can't do seven. I mean, I can do 72 hours. I haven't chosen to do 72 hours. Let me use my words carefully. So, but 24 hours is fairly easy to do once a month for me. I just go 3 PM to 3 PM. So I'm not really start hungry when I go to sleep and then I can, you know, get a good workout in and yeah. do a little work and then eat. So it's not very difficult. So real autophagy kicks in at 24 hours and maximizes it 72 hours. And he even admits he can't do 72 hours. So if like the head of the, all the longevity research says he can't do 72 hours, I don't feel so awful, but 24 hours once a month is awesome. If you could do 72 once a quarter, um, Walter Longo has the the um fasting mimicking diet which i personally tried about 6 years ago i think they've changed it since then it was awful i'd rather uh, eat nothing
0: yes um, <laughs> but they've changed think- it now it's it's not as if i would assume it's not as effective but it is um i we just had a uh one of our workers go through that through the five uh step uh program yeah. which they now have a name for it's not even called the fast mimicking diet anymore like it has a ProLon, it's called ProLon. Yeah. ProLon, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's, that's that's a much better, uh, you know, program now than it used to be. As far as right, this-
1: yeah. And then as far as the um, the other way of fasting, which is time restricted eating, yeah. the um, sixteen hours of no eating for men and the eight hour window of eating is really, you know, that's been proven very well for men. For women, not so much. For women, yeah. it's you know, you can really. Um, increase the, the stress hormones and the cortisol hormones, and then hurt some of the, um, you know, the estrogen and the and the progesterone from forming. So for women, it's more of a cyclical sort of, um, pattern of intermittent fasting or time restricted eating. So like the week before a woman's period and the week of the woman's period, you really don't want to time restrict as much, but week, you know, two and three, you can, you can go heavy keto or, you know, and time restrict and it's a, it, and even change the type of exercise you do and go a little bit heavier. Um, so you, won't, you know, people will want to look into that. And then for women, I, I personally like women to do like four or five days a week of 14 hours, And then, you know, with a more of a normal eating pattern the other two days so that your body doesn't go into that stress mode. And then your body's like, oh, I do get food. I don't need to shut down. And then all of a sudden, again, you're restricting.
0: How about for women specifically? How about um, the the actual hours which you would be consuming food at? So for me, for example, um, my schedule, kind of revolves around my training. So I like to have a morning training, which is fasted. Mm -hmm. And then I can't eat, you know, too close to my evening training, which is super high intensity. Um, So for me, for example, my last meal is going to be around 9pm, which isn't positive, because it it kind of follows the training. Um, And, you know, looking at research, it looks like for women, it wouldn't be optimal because of their cyclical nature of uh, her- hormonal nature. So, would you would you say that you recommend certain certain time window? I don't think age? so.
1: Yeah, no, I think it has more to do with lifestyle. So, okay. like for me, nine o'clock would be way too late to eat because I like I won't sleep if I have a full stomach, and I like to go to bed by ten. So, I always ask people what their patterns are. You know, if they have. A husband who comes home from work, and they always have a nice dinner with some, you know, wine, and it's a big to do, then that might be nine o'clock might, might, might be their time. I find um, a lot of people like to be done by six, and then they can get a good night's sleep, and then start again after a workout in the morning, they, they get up, they go work out, and then by 10 or 11, they can eat. And that, it's a very easy one to follow um but i don't think there's i you know i haven't i actually haven't been familiar with any research studies showing that there's an optimal time window so i think that gives people the power and the flexibility to do what works best for them as long as they're giving themselves a break with no milk no no blueberries none of the things that you said you know for 14 hours for a woman you know 16 hours for a man and um you brought up another point about fasting and setting yourself up the week before it's a lot harder to fast. If you eat a bunch of junk and then you're like, okay, now I'm going to quit now that I had the chocolate cake last night. It's a lot harder for your body to do that than if you ease into it. And then when you refeed afterwards, your body's ready to build. It's like, yeah, I'm ready to build. So think about what you're feeding it. And you want maximum nutrition and maximum maximum building blocks.
0: Yes. That was actually my next question. Uh, you know, a lot of me, you know, I'm guilty of that as well. Where when I was starting, when I was you know starting my my fasting, and by the way, for a long time I was doing fourteen hours. So, but when I was starting my fast, my my fasting journey, I always felt like I won, like I've beaten another day, and now I get my reward. And I would eat something that's suboptimal, something that has gluten or simple carbs or whatever that would be. And really the big shift for me and when I fell in love with intermittent fasting was when I understood that my body is primed to build. My body is waiting for its building blocks. And if I'm going to give it just for, as an example, hydrogenated, you know, soybean oil or, or, um, you know, or, pasta or whatever that would be the building blocks or well the building's going to look like the building blocks right yeah stuff you know you're you're really you're going we say in hebrew you're going two steps forward one step back
1: yes yeah yeah i I get it amate so um or amatei sorry the um so i get it because um I would do the same thing. I'd go, you know, I was really, this was really last summer when I started dabbling with this and I would, um, go for like a mountain bike ride afterwards and then eat like a bag of granola with, you know, um, Chocolate and yeah. like I love that love crunch granola. It tastes so good. But cool. I had a continuous glucose monitor on at the time. I was wearing a continuous glucose monitor, and it was so eye opening for me because I check and I'm looking at my sugars, like 250. I said yeah. I just burned like 2,000 calories mountain biking, and my my sugar is 250. Clearly, like my glycogen stores are not depleted, and I'm not yeah. metabolically flexible, and I'm not doing my body any good. There's no nutrients in here. There's only calories. So, we have in America for sure, we have a lot of calorie dense food that's nutrient deficient, de- depleted. Yes. So, we want to look for maximum nutrients, which is real, full food, colorful food. Don't be afraid of fats. I tend to shy away from grains and processed carbs. I think that's kind of the enemy. Um, but not, don't shy away from fats. That's one of the best things for your skin, avocado, nuts, yeah. you know, I mean, healthy oils, fatty fish, you know, assuming you can tolerate all of these things.
0: Yes. And I think really, I really, really, really like the fact that you used the, uh, the phrase uh, metabolic flexibility. I think if the, if I could, if I could really give it a, a, a head heading to the next positive fad in in, 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 and I'm not using fat in a bad way, fat in, in this nutrition, the next big word would be metabolic flexibility, you know, I agree. that's where longevity and health really lies when you're, when you can, you know, in 48 hours become fat, fat burning or fat utilizing for someone who's new to that, you know, when you deplete sugar, glycogen from, from, from your muscles, your body flips and starts using ketone or starts using, um, fat to create its own energy, which are called ketones. So, and that's where ketogenic diet comes from. So that's very interesting. And unfortunately we're very short for time today. We for sure would have to do it again. Absolutely. But I did, did want to, uh, circle back to breathing real, real real quickly, because we are, in the end, we are trying to motivate people to become healthy through through the understanding that they're going to look better if they are healthier. And when I read James Messer's book, one of the, you know, earth shattering discoveries I, I, I've learned there was that your face, facial symmetry, how your face is looks is going to drastically change if you started breathing only through your nose or vice versa. Um, have have you, have you read a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I I read part of that section. Um, yeah, I believe it to be true. And I also believe that the face changes based on many things. So the thought, the thoughts you have in your head, right? Are we having positive thoughts? Are we being impeccable to ourselves with positive thoughts and positive relationships? You know, and the breathing makes complete sense because the airways will expand where they're utilized and they'll contract where they're not utilized. So, um, you know, I think about it with kids though, because he talks about the teeth and the crowding of the teeth and Western yeah. prices work and how, when we breathe through our mouths and we eat very soft food, what happens is we don't even have enough room in our mouths for our teeth to fit. And that's why kids need braces nowadays. Whereas do you think there were braces 300 years ago? No. Cause kids were like gnawing on food and meat, yeah. and, you know, and, and like vegetables that were not cooked and things like that. And I don't know if I don't re- recall, I don't think it's, is it too late? When you're, no. you know, this age, you can still change. You still have power to, to modify and improve yourself by, you know, breathing through your nose and taking full breaths. Like, I mean, as I'm talking, I'm taking shallow breaths, but when you speak, breathing through your nose, pausing, it, it sets yeah. off like a parasympathetic, as opposed to us talking over each other, you know, like some yeah. people are pressured and they're talking and they're interrupting and that's sympathetic and that's sending all the wrong signals to the body. As opposed to breathing and you know setting parasympathetic tone throughout your body, and that allows processes to be more efficient without cortisol running through the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it can change your face, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, and of course you know breathing deeply and well would stimulate your vagus nerve, which which is another part of of uh, the sympathetic nervous system and, um, and calming down and and uh, and. Um, kind of facilitating uh, calming sensation in the body, which is very important.
1: And, and delivers everyone... oxygen. We deliver yes. oxygen to our organs and our skin is our largest visible organ. So the presentation of your skin is a good representation of what's going on with all of your organs. It's just another organ, but we can see it. So when you're having a rash or you're having inflammation, that's a good clue that there's inflammation going on inside the body. When I typically question these patients, they're having some gut symptoms. They're having maybe some foggy, you know, some foggy brain issues. They're having some joint pain and things like that. So all of these kind of inflammatory things are related. They're not separate. You don't need to go to four doctors for them. Just look at your four pillars or, you know, there's actually many more pillars out there, but don't get overwhelmed. Just do one step at a time. And then sure. as soon as people start feeling better, Everything kind of just cascades, and it's a do- beautiful domino effect. And you know, you feel better, you can exercise more, and then you want to feed your body better. And you know, you have new friends that are very positive that you do things with, and it's just it's a beautiful process. I, I love seeing the evolution of it,
0: and I love the picture you created because um, exactly like um, you know, supplements are the most common example where people you know quit or stop using them because they don't feel. The difference after a short amount of time, and I really like that kind of vision you've you've you drew of one small change would lead lead to the next change, which would lead to the next change, and you are going to get that re- reinforcing positive loop of you know better health, better nutrition, better exercise, better environment, better friends, uh, happier life, more fulfilled life more confidence, more self-love. and you know then we can take upon ourselves maybe another you know health change which would b- manifest you know, itself in, in other areas.
1: Yeah. And sometimes that starts with skincare. So I love skincare because people are, they're massaging their face at night. They're taking time for themselves. They're doing these, you know, self-care rituals, and then they start feeling like they look better. And then they, you know, it, it, it evolves. So you may say it's 5%. I think it's a little bit more than that. Um, and it's always something that I recommend for people to do is a high quality skincare. Um, but just don't think that these external things are all everything for you because most things that work the most are free and they're within yourself.
0: Correct. Yeah. And 5%, you know, again, we're a skincare company. So I'm, I'm, my, what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to downplay the obvious. You obviously need to take skincare seriously. You shouldn't put, you know, a $1 product on your face. It's going to do more harm than good. You should kind of find out what works for you, et cetera. And definitely that's a big part of how your skin is going to look over time. But, um, you know, we I do am try, I, I am trying to to, to kind of, you know hammer in the message that I, a holistic approach and an overall health approach is the way to go, and skincare is is a component mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Um,
1: And I mean, with that being said, I just want to add one more thing. I know I'm the one with the short on time here, but, um, you're so fun to talk to. So with that in mind, like a lot of people will chalk it up to their genetics, like, Oh, it's my genetics, but there's, you know, when I went to medical school, we were taught like your genetics determines your, your reality. And now we know with the field of epigenetics, that's hundred percent, not true. So we have these genes and these genetic predispositions and 90%, 80 to 90% of What we choose in this world, you know, even sometimes our circumstances suck, but we can choose to be very stressed about them or choose not to be very stressed about them. So, you know, what we choose to do in our lives will determine whether those genes are switched on or switched off. So just because we have genetic predispositions doesn't mean it's our destiny that's
0: epigenetics. Exactly. You know, if someone is really, if someone has a very confused look after I kind of delve into epigenetics, which is what we focus on. Our skincare is skincare that's built to activate sirtuins. That's that's what it's there for, which are those genes that you were talking about. So I always tell them, uh, if you take a rabbit and you put it where there's snow, it's going to turn white. Hmm. If you're going to put it where there's no snow, it's going to be you know normal ra- rabbit color. And that is epigenetic, right? You can turn On and off certain genes, according to what you expose yourself to, you're not going to turn white in the snow, unfortunately, but aside from that, um, (laughs) exactly,
1: you know, and there's great twin studies on this, you know, where they take two identical twins and they just see how they've lived and you can see they look very different. So that's, you know, that's a good, a good way for people, for humans to relate it to humans instead of sometimes, you know? Yeah. Great.
0: Jen, um, I am committed to 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 your time frame, and I know uh, you. you you have a very busy schedule. Uh, but I have you on air, committing to do it again. Not kidding. But, I uh, I
1: will. This was so fun. I could talk to you for hours. Are you kidding yes. me? It's my privilege. It's my yes, pleasure.
0: Exactly. I feel like we we just scratched the surface. We we should really do it again. Uh, and I really want to thank you uh, for the amazing knowledge you've shared with us. Very, you know, uh, where can people uh, get a hold of you, you know, follow up with you, look at more of what the beautiful work that you're doing, because you have, you know, that was 5% of what you (laughs) can do.
1: Thank you. Um, You know, I well uh, for personal consultations, I work on dermatologist on call. And that's just, you know, that's a one on one, but I've been doing this long enough that it's my time to give back on a, on a larger platform. So I try to have interesting conversations, which we'll share this on my platform um, called radiance revealed. And I have no ulterior motives. It's just about sharing good information to empower people to take control of their health and bringing together specialties. So medicine has been divided over the years. And I want to bring everyone together because we're all a collective and we, we can all help. And whether it's ancient, you know, ancient wisdom, Eastern medicine, plant medicine, you know, Western medicine, there's, there's pearls to all of it. So we're, you know, we're in a community just trying to put it together. So I have my podcast radiance revealed, um, with Dr. Jen Haley, and it's on all platforms. Uh, and then also people can DM me, I can't give medical advice, but they can DM me on Instagram and, um, we can, uh, if they have any ideas that they want to hear about on the platform or, um anything like that, any guidance. And then I have a website, drjenhaley.com, D-R-J-E-N-H-A-L-E-Y.com. And um, Instagram's probably the best. And that's just at Dr. Jen Haley.
0: Okay, sounds great. And we also obviously would add links in the bottom. Uh, Dr. Jen Haley, I again, thank you for your amazing time I had talking to you. You're, you're a very interesting person and hopefully we will do it again soon. Yes,
1: Amitai. Thank you. Appreciate you, you Amitai. Thank you.